You're listening to Disrupting Balance, the podcast for recovering work-life balancers, finding harmony in the imbalance of work, well-being, and the in-between. I'm your host, Hanifa Barnes, full-time education executive, budding entrepreneur, wife, mother of four, and so much more. How do I balance it all? I don't. Instead, I found harmony in the imbalance of it all. Listen to find out how other women just like you are doing the same. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. So how can a three-acre, 150-year-old farm hold so much meaning? Well, for Helen Tremethic, an entrepreneur and permaculturalist, it has been a blessing to devote her truth to aligning her internal and external environments of her life and in the lives of her clients by creating awareness of true self and killing the noise of comparisonitis and all of these other things that could stop you from building a brand and a business. Listen to this episode where Helen talks about permaculture and she discusses how she recenters herself in the midst of busy farm life. And you want to listen in on her theory of the eagle and the mouse. So hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disrupting Balance podcast. So glad you joined me today. We have a wonderful guest in the guest chair. With me, I have Helen Tremethic. And did I say that right, Helen? Yes, you did, Anita. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. I was listening intently. And so we are going to jump right in because I can't wait for you all to hear all about Helen's story and her journey. So Helen, tell us, what is your story? Well, thanks so much for having me, Hanifa. Uh, my name is Helen Tremethic. I am a brand voice strategist. I'm a business coach. I'm a thought partner for badass entrepreneurs and all of those entrepreneurs out there who want to be. One of my favorite things to talk about is how in this world where we are expected to toe the line, the most badass thing that you can possibly be is yourself. And so the work that I do is always around coming back home to who you are and using that, your values, your beliefs, and all of those quirks and neat little things about yourself and showcasing that so that you can create the best business for you, for your life, for your clients. And I came to that through a series of twists and turns. And I currently manage my business while also founding a uh, permaculture education center with my partner. And so I am really, really quite familiar with the idea of uh, juggling and so-called balance. <laughs> Yes, that is good to hear. And I can't wait till we get into more detail around some of that. But before we jump into perma permaculture, because I need folks to understand and learn about what that is, because I was so intrigued. But before <laughs> we get there, let's talk about your business and this idea of helping your clients kind of, I guess, learn or embrace being themselves in order to, you know, develop a brand and develop a strategy. Let's talk more about that. Like how, what does being yourself really look like and how do people get to that point, especially when you're trying to create a brand and a business? Oh, for sure. I, I think that it's really very common for us to feel like we need to 
do everything particularly right. Entrepreneurs are high achievers. We come by it naturally. We are perfectionists often. We are often people who want to make sure that everything is as good as it possibly can be before we publish it, before we put it out into the world. And entrepreneurship is quite a vulnerable journey as well. So that combination makes us quite um, controlling, if you like, around how we create our messages, what we put out there. And when we start our businesses, we make sure that we are saying things just right. I am a such and such who does this thing for these people. We have these templates, we have these rules, we have these guidelines, and we pull those from all sorts of places. We choose our gurus according to seemingly aligned values or how they their success on social media and we then start mimicking and catering our businesses to look like and be similar to these other success stories. So the work that I do is peeling that back and saying there is content strategy. There are ways that you can that people move throughout the internet and we can use that to help people understand faster and better. But the real genuine nature of who you are is the reason why your clients choose you. They already know they need a web designer. They already know that they need a massage therapist, but they choose you because of who you are. So the work that I do is about coming back, peeling back those layers, all of that, um, those shoulds and those templates and those rules back to who you are and what makes you special. And that is transferable across your life. It's through your business, it's through your messaging, it's through your copy, but it's also how you show up in the world, how you speak to your clients, how you are with your partner or your kids in your community. And that coming back to yourself, that coming back home, I like to say, is um, is that magic piece of why you do your work exactly the way that you do it. So it's a real uncovering. I'm thinking about my own process when I was working and continually work on building my brand. And when I started, I said, you know what? I, I I need my therapist. So I went back to therapy, but then I also hired a business coach. So they were kind of working in tandem. And a mm-hmm. lot of what one was saying, the other was saying as well. So there was some alignment in, in those voices that were speaking to me. But so it, with you and, cl- and your clients, do you recommend that they also see someone else to help them kind of peel away at some of these things or do you actually give them this whole package around that process, kind of the therapy piece and the business piece? Oh my, well, I am not a therapist, nor do I play one on TV, but I love <laughs> therapy. I think it is just the best thing. And if one can afford to go to a therapist, there's a lot of free access out there, but if one can afford to go to a therapist, I think that that is just the, one of the biggest gifts that we can give to ourselves in this day and age, you know, there's a lot of uh, intergenerational trauma that is coming to the surface and has always been there, but that we're starting to is becoming less taboo and we're starting to talk about a lot more. Um, and there's stuff that's just grown, we've grown up with that we need to talk out. But the work that I do is quite all encompassing therapy aside. We do talk about mindset. We do talk about that personal stuff. Most of my clients are still 
the visionaries of their companies, they're still really involved in the nuts and bolts in the day-to-day and having an understanding of how our personal lives are affecting our business, how our business is affecting our personal lives. That's all really part and parcel. So we could talk about anything from your business model or your services that you're offering, how you're talking about the work that you're doing, who are your right people, but also how is your energy being expended? Where do you need to to create more margin in your life? Um, What is your partnership like at the moment if you are in a partnership? Mm-hmm. And, and so all of these pieces will affect our business. And, and because it is an entire system, we talk about that entire system. You're like the expert for your client. So <laughs> what do you do for yourself to show up and, you know, make sure you're feeding yourself the same, you know, language and messaging? What do you do? Mm, yes, that's a great question, right? That, uh, yeah, so I have a really good therapist. <laughs> and yeah. So right off the top, I'm a really yeah. good therapist. I yeah. love her. Uh, I have a really good partner as well who is very interested in, you know, dismantling some of those old habits that used to serve us well as children or as teenagers and don't any longer as grownups. And, uh, and I meditate every day or kind of, or else, or else for everybody else. Um, so I, I meditate every day to kind of ground myself and be present with myself and what's coming up. And, uh, and then I also like, I access my healthcare where I can, where I need just for, um, you know, uh, PMDD and anxiety and the like. I often speak to my doctor about, Um, that sort of thing as well. So these are all very personal pieces that I put in place in order for me to better show up for myself, for my people, for my clients who are also my people that that are really, really important. These are non-negotiables, therapy, meditation, taking my meds, you know, like drinking water, Mm -hmm. uh, communicating. These Mm -hmm. are, are really, really important pieces of my life. Yeah. And I think one big important piece that we talked about um, that I think is also a help is the farm. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Yes. Please tell us about this farm. (laughs) So I am super, super blessed, privileged, lucky to have landed in a, on a three acre property in Southwestern Ontario, Canada. And, you know, we knew that we were wanted to move somewhere where we had a little bit more land. We were looking for months and months and months and, um, finally found this place and we knew it was ours immediately knew it was ours. Neither my partner nor I had ever been to this part of the province before. We just <laughs> drove out and we were like, yes. So I live in a 150 year old farmhouse. Um, it has, you know, big wood floors and leaky windows. And uh, we have giant flock of chickens and some wow. ducks and a dog and three cats. And uh, it's beautiful here. It's a real reprieve from, well, from everything. So I, uh, you know, that piece about taking care of 
oneself. You know, a lot of the times when, you know, when we need a little bit more space, any one of us, then we can take a walk and we can take a walk that is quiet and comforting and in nature very, very quickly. So that is absolutely a a beautiful, beautiful aspect of our lives. And, uh, and through that, we also bring students here onto the property to teach them about, about how every environment, our internal environment and our external environment is a system and how we can best design lives, garden, landscapes, communities to be optimally better, truer, and more beneficial for every single component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in the very beginning of the process, you know, you guys acquire the farm, was there an adjustment period, right? Because when we talked, you mentioned that you all are more urban living in the city. Mm. And so was there an adjustment period? And what was that like? Like, did you always feel like the farm was this place of peace and this coexistence of the systems kind of working together? Or did you have to get to that point? No, we actually felt it pretty straight off. You know, it felt like a big breath of air, honestly. Mm. I So, yeah, both Michael and I had have grown up in cities, but we've also spent a lot of time outside of cities. So we would come back, visit our family, that sort of thing, and then be out elsewhere. We both lived out in Halifax. We both lived out in British Columbia, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia on the East Coast. We both lived out in British Columbia, out on the West Coast. And I was in the Northern interior there where it was very, very close to nature, um, bear, moose, grizzly, like grizzly and bat, black bear, as well as moose and bobcats and, and the like. That's wow. where I used to live. Wow. <laughs> like actual, actual deep Canadian <laughs> woods. And, uh, and so we both knew that the difference, the difference that our heart rates were living urban versus living rural. So we knew that we were headed out toward the farm. And, um, and, and as in terms of adjustment, yes, the biggest adjustment is that a farm never stops and there's always something to do. And oftentimes when there's one thing to do, it means there's 20 or 50 things to do Mm. all at once. This time of year, for example, we're already harvesting at the same time as we're still putting plants in the ground where we still have to, you know, uh, feed the animals and mow the lawn and teach the kid because she's homeschooling right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's always stuff to do. And that is an adjustment. So when we we're talking about kind of disrupting balance, and this idea of what balance truly is, a lot of the time for us, we find that we need to f- see what needs to be done, absolutely urgent, important, mm-hmm. and do those things, knowing that Every single action that we take is moving toward our bigger goals. And in the years to come, these things will get easier. And the same goes for our businesses as entrepreneurs, um, as an entrepreneur myself, that every single action toward my goals create those bigger goals. So we we work on what we need to and, and knowing that everything will get done in the end. Everything will happen in the end. It's just a matter of continuing to take that slow progress. 
Yeah, and I would imagine like the personality of an entrepreneur is one that probably has to hear that a lot of times. Because <laughs> I feel like the entrepreneur or and, and you know, this is really me, hint hint. And so <laughs> I feel like, you know, you have this idea of yeah, the things you need to do, just do it and you work toward that end because it does work itself out. But then like what you said in the beginning around this idea of mimicking and trying to adapt styles of the people that you think are doing it right, that also gets in the way. It does. Right? It so does. how do you like kill that noise? Like, is that more about arriving at the authentic self or what is that about? Yeah, I don't think it's a destination. Honestly, I, I think you're totally right that it's really difficult to cut the noise. The, and the marketplace, the, our world is getting noisier and noisier. And so I think the work is about continually practicing coming back because we will be drawn in. We will find that comparisonitis is raising up again. We will notice that we're uh, trying to something a little bit different that doesn't feel quite right. And mm -hmm. then we'll come back home. Um, you know, I, a long time ago, I was on a 10 day silent meditation retreat and I've only done it once. Um, so this isn't something that I, I do regularly. I'm no Zen master by any means at all. But the, I remember walking into the meditation room one morning and seeing 40 other people sitting on their cushions about to start the meditation. And I realized in that moment that a room full of people meditating is actually a room full of people trying to not think about their grocery list. It's a room full of people who are trying to not think about that conversation and what they should have said. It's a room full of people trying to like bring back the, their mind to this moment. And so I think when we're talking about cutting the noise and that authenticity of coming back to yourself, your true self, not this authentic washed garbage that's being put out there, but really actually truly you, when we talk about coming back to that, I think it's a practice very similar to meditation. It's noticing, oh, this isn't aligned. Oh, this isn't authentic. Oh, I'm doing again without judgment. Oh, look at that. Look, I'm doing it again. Come back home. What feels right? What feels me? What feels true? Hmm. I like it put that way, you know, because as I share, you know, I had my own moment. And I think part of the reason that I kind of ended up in that place was I wasn't, I guess, for lack of a better term, checking myself, right? Because mm -hmm. I could sense, okay, there, there are kind of these incremental reminders, like, that's not you, that's not part of your life, that's not where you want to be, but I would still push beyond and didn't listen. Mm -hmm. And then it, I just was, I was sent spiraling, right? That's um, it. Yeah, so you have to be in the practice of getting back to you. You know, a friend of mine, when I turned 40, I'm currently 44. When I turned 40, a friend of mine said, welcome to the decade of giving no Fs. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I like that. Because there's a real piece of that that's true about coming back to yourself when you're in your 30s, when you're in your 40s, you, you really are coming back to 
who you are. And you're right. We don't learn this in our, our twenties. And if we're lucky, we do get to learn it in our lifetimes, but it is a, it is a practice. It is a, uh, and I also want to mention in this practice that there will be times it, that it's sneaky. You know, there will be times where we think, nope, this isn't authentic. This isn't me. This doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. It doesn't feel aligned. And really, it's just that you don't want to. Mm. And it's hard. And you don't like it. <laughs> and that's where it gets sneaky because, you know, we, we all have to show up and, you know, do our taxes. We all have to wash the dishes. We all have to, you know, put away the laundry, whatever, um, the things that we don't really want to do. And yet, you know, I think the most important piece of, of trying to decide whether this is authentic to ourselves, whether this is aligned is looking at it kind of as as an eagle and as a mouse. So when we're looking at the doing the taxes, we're looking at it as a mouse. We're looking at what's right in front of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we also need to look at it as an eagle. What do I really want? What is the big picture here? What is the entirety that, Mm -hmm. that, that I want? What are my grand results, my big goals? And then therefore, is this thing right in front of me? Is this important? Is this aligned? Is this authentic? Is this going to get me there? So we need to to balance both of those pieces because there will be things that we don't want to do. And our inner toddler or 16 year old will come out and throw a temper tantrum and say that it's, it's not authentic when it may well be. So it's sneaky. It's sneaky. And so it's a practice not only of like coming back to this moment, but also looking at your goals, your end goals. Uh, is this going to get me there? Yes. Yeah, so let's 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 slightly switch gears because you mentioned earlier on, and we talked about this perma culture. I was so fascinated by it because I do, even though at the time I didn't know what it was or even understand, I did recognize the value in what that is and. I think when we talked, I said, you know, I love to be outside and in nature and just sit because it does something. And I don't know if it just kind of pulls me away from just focusing on self and just focus on those other things, but there's a beauty to that. So I want to connect that to permaculture and what that is and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this whole piece about understanding your bigger goals, what is affecting your your current environment, your inner environment, your business, your community, your garden, all of those pieces that are affecting it. And then trying to balance all of those out and create a design that works for you, that's permaculture. Permaculture is a design system and it's often used specifically in designing environments, physical environments like landscapes and gardens. And so that would include things like, you know, where is the wind coming from? Where's the weather? Where's the sun? What is the soil quality like? Uh, What plants naturally grow there? Um, You know, which ones are volunteering? Which ones do you want? That sort of thing. And considering all of those factors in order to design a garden or a physical environment that mm, increases your yields while also benefiting all of 
the aspects, the desirable mm-hmm. aspects. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so permaculture can be used on small scale and it can also be used on, on a much larger scale. I, so I really like it also in internally. And so this is, this is exactly what we've been talking about is thinking about all of these aspects of our, our personal selves, of our business, of our garden, what is affecting it? What are our grand goals? What are like the biggest goals? Do we need to break those into phases? What happens first, second, and third in order for us to achieve what we want um, while benefiting everything? And of course, the, the great part of permaculture is that a lot of it is about coming back to a a truer nature. Mm -hmm. And so we talk a lot about rewilding areas and, uh, you know, and rewilding ourselves. We talk (laughs) a lot about like Mm -hmm. art and community and Mm -hmm. music uh, while also really investing in, in the land that we are, you know, very, very lucky to be settling here. Yeah. Yeah. And what is rewilding? A real, you know, actually a client of mine, Carmen Schreffler uses the word rewilding and I just love it so much. It's really about uh, allowing that, it's allowing your raw self out. Mm -hmm. And and so, so when you and I are talking about authenticity and we're talking about coming back home, Carmen would talk about rewilding, like coming back to that raw that real Hanifa. Yeah. And I don't mean like airing your dirty laundry yeah, yeah. At, at all, but I do mean a real, like genuine trueness to who you are. Like that real wild rewilding piece is more about letting go of the shoulds. It's about letting go of the platitudes. It's about, you know, about really coming back home. So when we started this conversation, I was saying about like the most badass thing you can do is be yourself right now. And, Mm -hmm. and so that's really what we're talking about. Like the most badass thing you can do, most badass thing I can do is come back home to who I am and Mm -hmm. be that person in the world. Wow. The word wild is what speaks to me, right? Mm -hmm. And wild in the sense that, you know, you just no holds bar you. Yeah. Who you are. Unapologetic. And unapologetic. There we go. And, yeah. you know, but as you know, um, life, society, like as you get as you get older and you become more aware, it, it ends up stifling all of that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so, you know, like you, we've talked about, you have to work through kind of rediscovering, rewilding and finding that place. And so. For you, though, in your process, what do those moments feel like, look like when you are like in that that place of, okay, I don't care about rewilding. I don't care about authenticity today. I just need to be. Uh, I know that when I am my truest self, I breathe deeper. I don't breathe as shallowly. I breathe much deeper. I know that when I'm my truer self, that I laugh more often, that I'm easier with my laugh, that it comes out more often. I notice when I'm my truer self that I see beauty in the minutia. 
Mm-hmm. And what I mean is really, you know, when you're walking down the street and you see a really beautiful tree and you think, oh my goodness, that tree is really beautiful. Like those moments, uh, that is when we are, you know, closest to our truest selves. And I also think now I want to like share that and make it a little bit bigger that mm-hmm. I also think that when I allow myself to be angry, when I feel angry, uh, that is also allowing me to be true. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it's, hmm, I try very, very hard to, um, be conscious of my, my own triggers and my own reactions and my mm-hmm. own responses. But I do think that there's something really valuable about, uh, pure emotions mm-hmm. and allowing ourselves to speak up when we need to speak, speak up to say that there are, you know, to point out atrocities when they are there to, to rage against, um, the injustices that are very clear in our world right now. And, and I think that is, is pure and true as well. So it's not just about laughter and seeing the sunshine and the beauty and the music. I mean, it's about that too, but there is something really pure and raw about that, uh, that feeling of desiring justice and, and that is good too. Yes. That's badass. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that badass piece is both, right? It's yeah. both. It yeah. isn't just about, you know, motorcycle jackets and mm-hmm. cigarettes mm-hmm. and dark sunglasses and whatever hair greaseness. Like mm-hmm. that isn't just what badassness is. Like badass is also gentleness. Badass is also self-care. Badass is also saying, oh my goodness, I think I need to go to bed a bit early tonight. Mm-hmm. Right? That can also be badass if we're taking good care of ourselves because this this society doesn't always take good care of us. And, and so, uh, so it's up to us and that can be really badass too. Where is the best place to find you and learn more about what you do? Um, cause I, I think it would be great, especially for that person who is on that journey to discover themselves and also build a brand and a business. I think it would be great for them to find you. So where can they find you? Thank you. Anybody can find me at Helen Tremethic. So HelenTremethic.com, Helen Tremethic on Instagram, Helen Tremethic on Facebook. I also have a free Facebook group called Love and Badassery, which is my methodology. It's about balancing that care and quality and as well as that quirkiness and weirdness that is just so uniquely you. So that's Love and Badassery and that's my free Facebook group. Otherwise, across the internet, Helen Tremethic. Awesome. Thank you. And for those of you listening, I'll make sure to have that information in the show notes as well. I am Helen Tremethic, and I am disrupting balance by modeling authenticity and integrity in business. Thank you for listening to the Disrupting Balance podcast with Hanifa Barnes. Hey, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're not following me yet, find me at Disrupting Balance on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And guess what? I'm on Clubhouse at Hanifa Barnes ESQ. And if you want free tools or any and all things Disrupting Balance, check out the website, www.disruptingbalance.com. Talk soon.